Welcome in to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast with your hosts, Daryl and Daryl Jackson, where we bring you a weekly roundup of the past, present, and future in the world of sports. For great sports content that you can get at home or on the run, it's time to listen up to a father and his son. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast, Episode 3, Season 1. So glad to have you back. I'm Daryl, and I'm with... Daryl! And this is a fantastic, fantastic day, because for the very first time, we have a guest on the show for you. He is the coach of the Word of Life Huskies. He is the pride of Fulton, Indiana. He is with us in person, going to share his experience Please welcome Coach Justin Cousins. What's up, guys? How's it going? Thanks for having me tonight. Definitely, man. Thanks for hey. thanks for joining us. Really, Definitely. thanks for being here. It's really good to have someone different to come in and give us their experiences and their um. Hey, just let us know. We're going to talk about basketball tonight. I gotta love that, man. And when when Daryl said that we were going to just talk college basketball, I'm like, I'm in. Let's do it. Exactly that, Justin. Man, it's just good to have you and and good to talk about college basketball and everything that's going on right now. But what's cool is that as we've been talking about college basketball the first couple of weeks here, you are a college basketball coach. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're just really glad to have you to talk about kind of your experience going through that and um, just your couple first couple of seasons and everything that you've learned. But uh, first of all, just how did you get into sports growing up? Like when was it like a click in your mind as a kid or just growing up that you know, sports, especially basketball, was something that you were uh, interested in. Sure, yeah. So I was born into a, a pretty uh, basketball-oriented family. Uh, my dad was a basketball coach in high for high school. Um, he actually coached me when I was in middle school as well. Uh, so there's pictures of me, man, like when I was in a crib with a little Indiana basketball uh, just right there with me. There's videos of me running up and down Assembly Hall at Indiana University chasing a little basketball. So all those different kinds of things. I, I, I'm a basketball fanatic uh, from from birth. So um, my dad was teaching me as, as soon as I could walk and hold a ball. So um, it's been a 28 year passion. That's amazing, <laughs> okay. man. So, yeah. yeah, so that's good. I was like, when you say Indiana basketball, I know Indiana basketball because I was stationed in Indiana when I was in the Air Force and stuff at Grissom Air Force Base. Yeah. And um, wow, I got educated yep. with basketball in Indiana, you know, coming from New Jersey and stuff like that, playing with guys from Philly, playing guys in the city and stuff like that. But going out to Indiana, got schooled a couple of times <laughs> and stuff with the back door. So yeah. it made me interested, understanding it and respecting it. Mm -hmm. So I, when I hear that you're from Indiana, I know when I look at guys from Indiana that play ball, they know how to play ball. It's very fundamental. Um, I just, it's, it's interesting to see the, the variety and different types of, of basketball from growing up out there in Indiana and now being out here on the East Coast for multiple years and seeing the different variations in basketball. But, um, yeah, you, you mentioned Grissom Air Force Base. I, I grew up just outside of Grissom. Uh, so Fulton, Indiana is only about a 20-minute drive from, from Grissom. My, my uncle served in the Air Force and was stationed at Grissom. Um, so I know that area really well. Okay, yeah, that's good to know that. 
Yeah, everybody don't know that little area. Um, what is it? Uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Kokomo, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then a um, little Peru. Yeah. 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 What was my guy's name? Kyle. Kyle, he went to Kentucky. Oh, oh who's the star? Who was the star from there at that time? I got to get that name back. My dad could tell you. I think my dad actually played him in high school. My dad went to McConaughey High School. Which was just outside of Kokomo as well. In okay, Peru, so. and Logan Sport. Logan Sport. I played against Logan Sport High School all the time at the Berry Bowl, um, right there. That was that was honestly of all the schools that we played against in high school. Um, I mean, they they beat us all the time. They were a big school, but it was the most college feeling atmosphere uh, of all the arenas that we played in there at the Berry Bowl. Like fans on all sides of you. You're in the the court is below ground, so this arena feel. It was it was awesome, right? And, that, and now around that time too, with Jim McMaster's, he mm-hmm. he went to Kentucky. You mm-hmm. know, those two guys. God, what was Kyle's name? I'm trying to get his name. He went from Peru. His father was the coach there, and he he's from to Peru, K- Indiana. Yeah, I'm trying to do a little research. While, okay, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah. He went to Peru. Yeah, he was from Peru, and Masters. And they were the Player of the Year for Indiana at okay. that time and stuff like that. Yeah, he was Mr. Basketball. Yep, Mr. Okay. Basketball, and he went to Kentucky. That's what the two guys from. Indiana going to Kentucky, Bobby Knight didn't like it. Yeah, that's a that's that's a cardinal sin right there. If you're from Indiana and you're going to go play for the Wildcats, mm-hmm. um, you either go play for the Hoosiers, the Boilermakers, or for the Irish. You don't go out of state. Right. Uh, so. and then you had the little bit of thing with you know Indiana State because everybody know the history. Like Larry Bird started right. on the bench. At, you know he was there. When they were, if I'm not mistaken, in the Final Four, Kyle Macy. Kyle, Kyle Macy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, right. he is. Yeah. He is uh, a legend, Peru man. Yes. Yeah, he's a legend in Indiana yeah. and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I remember. Also, that. An NBA uh, pick. Exactly. 1979 first round pick, which was a good draft. I mean, yep. that's a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird draft. Oh so. yeah, he was a good ball player. I yeah. got to see him. You know, all these things. I was out there at that time. When you go through downtown Peru, uh, there's actually a mural of him uh, as you go underneath the train track. So oh, he's see? he's still a, a legend. A legend in town. <laughs> yes. And Jim Masters, too. All these guys. Like I said, it was really interesting. Indiana basketball, really solid. Yep. Solid. You, you can play, you can play. Yep. Definitely. So what would you say is like the fan base in Indiana? Is it is it mainly just IU or, you know, because it's Purdue, sure. Notre Dame? If I miss uh, any other Division One schools, uh, there's, yeah. there's, I'm there's, you got some down in Terre Haute, I believe Evansville. Evansville, Evansville that's right. Indiana okay. State, Ball, Ball State. State. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. There, I mean, the the three major ones though are Indiana University. Uh, well, you got Butler too. I mean, oh, I, yeah, that's right. Don't forget Butler. Butler. Forget about Butler now. <laughs> like they're right. they, yeah, they used to definitely. be an afterthought, but now uh, they're pretty dominant. So I, the, your top four is obviously I'm going to say Indiana, but Indiana, Purdue, um, Notre Dame, and and Butler. Um, I mean, the the fan base right now it used to be uh, very heavily Indiana back during obviously the Bob Knight era, um, but Hoosiers basketball has actually become pretty mediocre as of late. We just got a new coach as of yesterday. Well, yeah, that right? was going to ask you Mike that question. Mike what's, Woodson. Your, what's your thought on Mike Woodson? And did did they give Archie enough time? I think they gave Archie enough time. Uh, as an as an IU fan, if you are not succeeding in the Big Ten, and and Archie did not have a single winning record all four years in the Big Ten, he never beat Purdue. Uh, that's a big one. If you if you can't beat Purdue as an Indiana head coach, uh, the fan base is going to turn against you very fast. So mm. I think four years didn't make an NCAA tournament. Probably would have made it last year if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, but 
Uh, all that being said, he didn't make it. So I, I think it was enough time. Um, and I, I would not have picked Woodson first. Um, however, I think that having an IU guy as the head coach at Indiana University uh, it's been something that Hoosier fans have been waiting for for a really long time. There's finally a connection back to the Bob Knight era. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a little bit of that nostalgia that's that's now kind of full circle. So you're uniting the, the new Indiana Hoosiers with the old Indiana Hoosiers. And okay. uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun with the, the merging of also bringing in Thad Mata as the assistant athletic director it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years okay good, good definitely i mean wh- what i've seen at michigan has been great with Jawan howard right. you talk about a player coming back i mean he's really made them a top five team really all year they're going to be playing tonight against ucla for the chance to go to the final four but in terms of his recruiting his depth i mean they lost arguably their best player and they're and they're still looking great uh do you think mike woodson can have that same effect in terms of getting recruits and getting Indiana basketball, not just to be a relevant team, but but to be a really good team. And I sure hope so. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest question marks hanging over this hire is because of his age and never coaching in college, What? how is he going to recruit and be able to bring in those young players? Um, and I listened to the to the press conference yesterday when they, when they introduced him. Um, and they asked him that question, and I, I liked his response. He said that he's actually not new to recruiting because you recruit in the NBA. It's just different. Um, every time the free agency comes around, you're recruiting players to come to your franchise. Um, so I, I enjoyed listening to his take on that. And also, I think he's a good team builder. And so when you look at how he's going to strategically put assistant coaches in place along with that Mata uh, as the, assist, as the assistant um, athletic director, I think he's going to do well. I, I, I think That's he's, he's going to have a, a good connection with Indiana coaches and Midwest coaches and recruit pretty well. So, so when Ohio State going to think with Fat Mata going, I mean, like, <laughs> what, what is that? He, like, what is he doing? Well, he, I think it's different no, Indiana than Michigan. I mean, if it's like Thad went there, then you're like, yo, you're a hardcore trader. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Indiana's like, it's still in the Big Ten, but he's not a, as He's like, a Buckeye, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're going to be like, what's going well, on here? There was talks that Indiana was actually trying to get Chris Holtman away from Ohio State to come coach at IU. Like, mm, that would have been. Because he was the old, um, the old Butler, Butler coach, coach that came went in. to Ohio State, right. and then they tried to get him to come to IU wow. during all this. So I think that would have created a lot of bad blood between Ohio State and Indiana, but I mean, people forget that Bob Knight actually played at Ohio State. Uh, That's right, he and did. then he did. came and coached at IU. So, okay, it's not it's not all that bad, right? Yeah, I, like you said, if it was Michigan, it'd be kind of different, right? You know? Yeah, right. With Ohio State and stuff like that, but okay, we can go with that. Yeah. We will go all with right. that. But then, uh, speaking about coaching, uh, you've been coaching now four <clears throat> years. This is you just finished your fourth just season. Just finished my fourth season. That's amazing, brother. So, of course, see, you've gained a lot of experience with that. Mm-hmm. But, like, what? inspired you to say I want to go ahead and coach basketball and and how did you how did the opportunity at World Life come about for you sure yeah um I mean I've been blessed to be able to have a lot of good coaches over my time of playing middle school high school and then uh at the at Word of Life um and I just really enjoyed uh how my coaches not only cared about me as a basketball player but as a person and so, kind of when you when you hybrid the two of those things, I when the opportunity came to um, help assistant coach uh, at Word of Life under Bill Bowman, uh, who was my coach uh, when I was there as a student, 
Um, he was my coach too in high school. You gotta love, gotta love Coach he's, Bo, man. He's 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 the best. He's the real deal, man. <laughs> he he knows how to. Uh, you want you want to talk about an older coach that knows how to just relate and have fun with young players? I mean, Coach Bowman is that guy. Uh, so we were kind of kind of talking about that with with Woodson, but um, I, Coach Bowman knows how to just have fun uh, with his team, but yet expect excellence out of them and, and get the best out of out of his players. So um, just the the two the. The two of those things combined over seeing throughout all my other coaches, um, when the opportunity came to be an assistant, I was like, yeah, I, I would love to uh, be able to have that kind of an influence in the lives of, of guys and help them become better basketball players, but also help them um, become better followers of Jesus, uh, be, better, that, be better men, uh, be better citizens uh, in the communities that they're going to be in uh, down the road. And so, I mean, the last four years have been... Um, awesome just being able to just invest in these guys and so it's crazy I was only assistant coaching one year coach Bowman retired uh and I, I put my name in for it and uh actually found out that uh I was gonna be the head coach about two days before uh tryouts were supposed to be held uh so <laughs> wow <laughs> I was I was in the midwest preparing on the fly <laughs> I was in the midwest got the phone call from the athletic director and I canceled the rest of my appointments out there and drove back and got ready for for tryouts and it's been a, an awesome four-year journey okay good to hear that like you're talking about the legend you know Bill Bowman that's what I call him, the legend you know when you work under him and stuff like that one of the greatest guys I ever worked with in my life and stuff as a coach and seeing that is like you said you describe him really well and now I gotta ask you a question when you think about that when you think about here at the Bible Institute, when you're coaching that, and you talk about men becoming men, you know, your players and investing in their lives and stuff like that. It's like when we hear on the, you know, like on other media sites and stuff, and people are criticizing Oral Roberts for their beliefs and what they stand for. Sure. What do you think about that as a coach? I, I, I think that um, is. As a coach, uh, everybody, regardless of your, your spiritual beliefs or whatnot, like you are investing into into those guys to be to become better men. Uh, you, whether whether you're a Christian school, state school, private school, doesn't really matter. Uh, so uh, to criticize because one school is leaning more towards a spiritual belief aspect, um, I think is not really fair because. Everybody in in some way is investing into their into their guys to to make them um, better citizens. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because I was just thinking about that. I was like, wow, I think everybody has the rights to you know in our country to do right. what we need to do right. and stuff like that. So I like to hear that when you want to invest in people's lives and stuff like that. I think people think there's only certain ways that you can do certain things like that. Right. If young men's decide, like for example, you don't have to go to World Roberts. Right, you know, so so that's something that you have to look at as a whole and think about that. And um, yeah, you got young men who come here to study the Word of God and stuff right. like that. And, you, and this is something that that's very important that you get more exposure. Now, how like as a coach, how is it for recruiting purposes for you? Yeah, that's that's been that's been interesting. Um, so it, as far as I know, before I started coaching. Um, we really didn't do a whole lot of recruiting from the athletic standpoint at Word of Life. Um, and I've really only started doing it 
heavily within the last two years. Uh, my second year, I tried a little bit, didn't really get any of the recruits to come. But over the past two years, I started to gain a little bit of traction with that. Mm-hmm. And so um, been trying to get plugged in with different online uh, sites where uh, like huddle or field level and um, what's cool about those is I can I can actually target Christian schools and um, Christian AAU clubs and, and stuff like that and be able to, to connect with coaches that way and, and try to, to meet uh, meet students um, so it's been a it's been a process and that's honestly been one of the biggest learning curves is how to um, not only connect with the players um, and find good talent, but find good talent that has the same standards and morals that we have. That is a believer in Jesus that wants to study the Bible Institute, study the Bible at the Bible Institute. So when you when you think of, of those things, it, it, it's a it's a hard it's a it's a trifecta that you've got to find. Not not everybody is is uh, really kind of fitting that mold, but um, it's it's been interesting. It is, it's now, been hard. Has it been? Have you been able to connect with other coaches at other Christian colleges that you know make set up a four-year program and stuff like that that yeah. you can process? You know, a kid for a year or two and ship them out because a lot of kids, use, a lot of colleges use um, junior college transfers, yeah. Yeah. and that you can prep them for that. Yeah, that? and and that has been a little bit of uh, how I've had to approach it. Kind of when I when I pitch it to some students, I th- I say think of like JUCO for the Bible. Um, <laughs> so right. uh, come here, study the Bible. Uh, this this improve your game a little bit, get you some college playing time, um, and then we'll, we'll get you connected to some other coaches. So, I mean, right now I'm, I've been able to, to see one of our players go and play for, for Cedarville. Um, I've had uh, a couple players go out to Calvary University. Uh, and now one of, my, one of my players right now, uh, he actually doesn't know this yet. I'm about to tell him this tomorrow. Um, there's a there's a school down in Philadelphia that is interested in him coming down and playing. So, um, so it, it has been it's been it's been good to connect with other four year Christian colleges and uh, say like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna develop some of these guys to come play at your school if you want. Okay, good to hear that. Does um, what do you think so far for you? I just would have two questions uh, going in this, but like, what's the, the biggest lesson that you've learned so far in your four years of, uh, coaching from when you started to now? Yeah. Um, man, when I started four years ago, I took myself way too serious. Um, mm. and I think I missed the opportunities to connect with some of those guys the first year or two mm. as deeply as I probably could have, because I felt like I had something to prove. Um, instead of, connect with the guys, let them know that I'm in their corner and no matter what comes down the pike, man, I've, I've got their back. Um, and, and basketball should be secondary to actually caring for them as a person. And I think for a while I was, I was taking basketball way too seriously. Um, now I, again, I am a competitor. I love to win. I want to win. Uh, I want to build a culture around winning, but more importantly, I want to have a culture of, caring for the student, caring for the person that's in front of you and the soul that's in front of you that's um, right, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's been one of the biggest changes uh, is, um, man, if you, if you can care for the person, they're going to give you everything that's in their tank when it comes to the that's, court because they know that they, you've got their back. Good to hear that. Good to hear that. And I would say 2020 really caught us all off guard, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you were coaching and 
the pandemic came and it really came down. Unfortunately, you know, dad and I talked about this on our first episode where we're getting ready for the tournament. And mm-hmm. then it was just canceled within a week of everything being announced. Um, how did that affect you and your method in terms of coaching? What are the protocols and what are the adjustments that you've made, you know, last season into this season? I'm glad, you sure. know, I, I know you've been able to have some games in this season and yeah. how, how has that uh, transformed a lot of what you've done and some of the adjustments you've made in the season? Yeah, well, we were actually blessed to have just finished our season before the pandemic happened last year. Uh, we went out to Chicago for a national tournament um, and it was just around that time where people were starting to talk about there was COVID cases being found here in the States. Uh, we got home from that and about two weeks later is when everything shut down. So our season mm-hmm. was over um and so it actually allowed me to be able to pour a lot of time into recruiting uh at home with my laptop calling students emailing watching film um but throughout the course of this this season um and just the unknowns that were going into it i think that was one of the biggest things is well we have our team uh, we're going to practice uh the the season got postponed we um, typically start our first game is the end of October. We didn't play our first game this year until the beginning of February. Mm. Um, and so, or mid-February. Um, and so we were practicing. I remember having a team meeting with the guys at the beginning of the year. And I said, we're going to approach every single day as if, the, man, we're, we're given this day. We're not, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised any games at all, but we have this day. And so we're going to give it 100% everything that we have so that if the season is canceled, if this is all taken away from us, we can say, man, I got better this day. Um, and so um, that's how we approached every single practice. Um, protocols got put in place to where we had to get testing before every single game. So starting in Fe- February through the end of March for, for two months, we were getting tested almost every single week. Mm. Um, I think just the biggest takeaway is more than any other year, uh, this has been a the biggest character building year uh, good, good. for for the guys um, to see them persevere through adversity and to come out the other side with with bigger character. That's that's the most important thing that you could ever get out of a season. So I'm glad to hear that. And I guess last thing um, going into the upcoming school year, I know you talked a little bit about yeah. recruiting, but if there's a prospective student listening, prospective basketball player, somebody would consider coming to the school to one go to the school and, and learn more about Jesus but two uh, be, able, be able to be part of a great basketball environment what, what would be something that you share with them something that they would gain uh, by coming and choosing Word of Life yeah one um, and just a, a culture that is uh, built on being a family um, I, I'm big on um, having a, a team that not not just works well together on the floor but enjoys spending time with each other off the floor um, and I think that's super important. So if, if you're if you're somebody who, who wants that kind of an atmosphere, uh, we'd be a great place for you. We're also a, a small community that loves the sport of basketball. Mm, uh, right. So people from the local high school and the community, small towns around us, they come out to our games and they support us. Uh, and so uh, it's been really cool to see see that grow. Um, and again, just the, what I said earlier, I mean the the aspect of being able to get quality college minutes as a freshman or a sophomore uh, where you may not be able to get that at, at a bigger school um, is going to help you develop into a better player earlier. 
that, that's well. Thanks a lot, brother, for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your experience. And for anybody out there considering, it'll be a great experience for you. So you have my endorsement along with Coach Justin's. And, you know, we hope to see more students here next year and, yeah. and, a, and a greater team as, as, as Justin continues to build that program. So awesome. But um, now we're going to transition into the last round of college basketball. So it's like the last week, weekend. Everything ends on Monday. It's uh, – it's crazy how fast it comes at you, and then like in three weeks it's gone. So, you know, next Monday, April 5th will be the last day, and so we're just going to really relish the last couple of moments. But we're going to talk a little bit about some thoughts we had on the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Um, we're going to go through these games, and then we're going to kind of round out the Elite Eight matchups tonight, give our final four predictions and our national championship predictions. So uh, we're going to start this past weekend what we saw and first game there, Oregon State and Loyola Chicago. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I think that, hey, I, I, that was good for me. I picked Oregon State. So, <laughs> and, it, and it folded out really well because, like I said, Loyola had everything going, but they were off. They were yeah. off this game. And I think um, Coach Moser didn't, he didn't know what to do. I think the speed and the height and the athleticism of Oregon State just dominated this game. And I saw it in the, pretty much what it was. It was not really much of a game. I mean, they had opportunities, but the game was really won early in the game. Yeah, and I, I thought uh, everything you said happened. I mean, um, I know that three years ago, Loyola made it to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. So you thought, think, coming into this run, especially when they take down prior if it wasn't Gonzaga that a lot of people were picking, I'd say it was either Baylor or Illinois. And I think and what thought, hurt, yeah, uh, but one of the other things that really hurt them is Williamson getting in foul trouble early. Mm, yeah. That was a key to that game. You know, once he got in foul trouble because his shot wasn't on, but his athleticism and everything that he does on the floor, his leadership was off the floor. And that made it really hard for Laola. Well, I'm going to take a, take a rabbit trail off of that. So, yeah. What are you guys' thoughts on like the pulling a guy early like that? Because he came out of the game. Yeah, right? he did. He came mm -hmm. out of the game super yep. early. I was actually just listening to a, to a coaching clinic today about analytics, about how um, valuing certain minutes over other minutes. Uh, like, why do we value uh, the last ten minutes of the game more importantly than like maybe the last eight minutes of the first half? And so mm, right. did, did pulling right. him early actually cost them in the, in the long run? Because when he came back, he was cold. He wasn't playing as, as, as good. He was playing timid. True, because he was worried about it, picking up another foul. Right. So the thing is, yeah, that's a good point in a coach's strategy and stuff like that. If you have understanding of your player, being a senior, trusting him enough, that, yeah, you talk to a player, can you play the rest of this half without picking up a foul? Right. Switch him out. You know, because he was, like I said, he's the key defensive player for the team. So sometimes you just got to switch him off to another player right. and not get him in certain um, certain um, situations that he could, like when the drive comes and stuff like that. And that's one of the things I think really altered their whole rhythm of their team. Yeah. Definitely. And Knowles, no, no, I think it's um, Knowles, the point guard. Yes. Yeah, he came from Oakland. Yeah, he. Yeah, he, he was off. You can tell. Everybody was off. The big guy played well. He played consistently throughout oh, the tournament. Oh, Cameron Crowick. Yeah, he yeah, played he's consistently. Been there since he's the beginning. Animal. Right, he, he really played is. consistent, but he was it was like he was playing by himself. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the key, the key to some of these games that we're going to be looking at. Um, when, when you isolate it to just 
Loyola was ending up with their their one big guy, and it was just him playing well. Like, if you're going to be a championship team, you have to have good guard play, good big play, and good defense. Exactly. Uh, and so when you get it isolated down to just one good big, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you make it much easier on the other team. Yeah. True. And we switch over to that second game we want to talk about is the Baylor-Villanova game. Mm. There, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, Villanova was leading the whole way for most of the game. Uh, he had a seven-point lead at the half. They seemed to be controlling tempo. Um, in the second half, uh, it went cold. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't go cold against a team like Baylor that's eventually going to get their opportunities and score. And uh, Baylor, Baylor was able to just slow Villanova down a little bit, figure them out, and, and take over the game. Yeah, I figure I, I seen myself when I looked at it guard play. Yeah, mm-hmm. there they missed Gillespie. Yeah, Con- this is where Connor this Gillespie. Is, this would have this game here would have made a difference because yeah. he had the leadership and the, the knowledge what to do at this time, and Baylor took advantage of it because the guards they had out there, Daniels and like that, they just could not take the pressure, and they didn't know how to make the shot. When you have you can't run the floor as a floor general, and you don't have a shot. It's a big disadvantage for your team. And I tell you right now, one of the biggest surprises of this game was Samuels. Samuels actually played really well in this mm, game That's here. true. And that's something that I wasn't expecting because the first couple games he didn't play his best game and stuff. It was um, right, um, Earl. Robinson Earl. Robinson yeah. Earl. Robinson yeah. Earl played it, but this game, Robinson Earl, they kind of like, when they went into it, I think Baylor went in and shut him down. And that's what they did. I believe he only ended up with eight points, and that hurt them as a whole. Yes, yeah, a fact. Um, then we go over to this third game, guys. <laughs> now, this, the, um, the two surprises. That's what we would say in, when you look at this, you know, the last team left, oh. standing at this point in time. Even though Arkansas was a third seed, I didn't think people respected them. Mm-hmm. True, because a lot of people had Colgate. They're like, hey, I'm going to go house money and, and take Colgate in that first game, which Colgate was leading by 14. Um, and then Eric Musselman put that press on. 17-0 run, game was never the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Arkansas has just been, they haven't dominated anybody. I mean, they're three seed, they were ranked six at one point in the season. So you figured, like, they're going to dominate teams, but they got, they, you know, just got through Colgate, then they just get through Texas Tech to get to this game that they were trailing for most of it. Right. I thought Oral Roberts controlled Temple. They had a 12-point lead with about 10 minutes left. And... Just like in the last game with, with Villanova, I thought or, um, the one thing you can't do when you're an underdog in a situation is you just can't go on like a five to ten minute drought, scoring drought. And exactly. that's what happened. And then Arkansas just started. What I liked about Arkansas, what they did do well, is they didn't start just jacking up threes to try to catch up. Right. They just used their larger guards to slow it down, get it, get a good shot inside, two-pointer, five to ten footer. And they chipped their way back in the game and took over. All right, exactly. And then the thing is, when we think about that Arkansas game and stuff like that, again, it's a team that don't have a real superstar. Right. They play again, and you're going to realize they play. They start three freshmen. Correct. And that's something, too, that you got to understand how everything is broken down into that point. And Oral Roberts used their veteran leadership to get to where they got, and their players played well. Oral Roberts had an opportunity. Right. They had an opportunity to be the they, first uh, – 15 C to get to the Elite Eight. Right. No, I think I think you're right in the sense that uh, they they went on that drought because they started settling for shots. They they didn't drive the ball the ball very well. They they took a lot of outside three point shots and um, 
I think some of that came down to intimidation of the fact that Arkansas was so much bigger from 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 one to five. They yeah. for they have bigger, stronger. I mean, they're from the SEC, and so I mean, um, yep. just. I had the benefit of watching them come through the SEC tournament, and so I, I had them going fairly deep in my bracket. Um, but I, I thought Oral Roberts gave them a, a really good run, and they had a, a clean shot at the end. I know. And that's, that's the thing. Yeah, when you have a nation-leading score, have that shot, hey, I think everybody wouldn't have been surprised if it would have won it. Right. But they were there. They, they did what they needed right. to do and stuff like that. You think of shots – Game-winning three-point shots to go. To, like I try to say, the, the number one shot that was a game that would have been a game winner that I would have loved to go down was ten uh, about almost eleven years now when Gordon Hayward to beat Duke. And the guy, right. That would have been sick. Yeah, right? right. We all say that goes in. It's probably the best game winner of all time. Thinking about Butler, right? Yeah, and Butler. <laughs> it's Duke. It, it's just the way it yeah. went down. It didn't happen. And then this would have been just somewhere in the top ten in terms of like, man, if he would have knocked that shot down, it's still it's right. still a fifteen taking out three, making history. But right. Yeah, and then we move on to this next game, which Houston last Syracuse. Oh, listening to my Dad son, had Houston. Listening to my son, I switched my pick, but I was still thinking deep down Houston would win this game. But I just said, hey, I wanted to go with the local guy because of Joe Girard the third. Mm-hmm. So I was going with that way. But I had this feeling that the Coors would settle on Buddy, and that's just what they did. But no one else win. from Syracuse was able to really provide a scoring punch. Yep. Correct. That that was necessary because they just couldn't score a point. I think it was a forty-eight was a grand. Uh, yeah, finish yeah. with, and that's an all-time low. Yep. And that's one thing too is they, like I said, they knew what to do. They, I, I thought at the beginning when we looked at this whole thing that Houston had the athletes to do what they needed to do. Only thing, and Houston had their bad game against Rutgers mm-hmm. because it shouldn't have been that close, and Rutgers had the opportunity to win the game, and then I think. At that point in time, Houston made a stand and say, okay, we had our bad game in this tournament. Now we got to crank it up. And the thing is, with Syracuse, a lot of people was going with Syracuse and stuff because of what Buddy Bayham did. But the thing is, the other guys stepped up for down low for um, Syracuse and stuff like that. They did what they needed to do with the rebound. The young guy that's a second-year guy that came from the Netherlands and stuff, um, he barely played during the season and stuff. He played really well. I think Bayheim has someone to look for as a big man. I think at that point in time, Dolajay they had to put him on the bench. Right. And that and it was yeah. a good it was a good choice to do that. And the thing is because the, this young guy has really I think his Edwards Edwards stepped up when he needed to and you know Correct. and he I think he got the most points he got all year in this game. Well, he had five. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at the it's 28 percent shooting. You're not going to beat a higher seeded team doing that. Uh, Buddy was three for thirteen for only twelve points. Joe Girard, who we love, is our hometown guy. Four for ten for only twelve points. Two for five from three. You just don't. You see in games like this, I think it's improvement going forward for him. Is just to shoot the ball with confidence. You know, it's not Glens Falls. You're not going to get fifty shots a game. Where you, and there's they're not going to pull you like where you have to that fear with Jim Beheim. Well, if I miss the shot, he's going to pull me. Just play, brother. Just relax. Get out there and just do what you can do. It makes a big difference. But, yeah, no one really had a great offensive game here. Dolajai with only two points in his last game. Garrier with only eight. Griffin with only two. Uh, so, obviously, Buddy with the low game, no one really else was able to give him the points they needed. And, and it was a 46 was the was the final. Okay, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about here. But still, congratulations to Syracuse for getting to this point. 
True, um, true. And Joe, hey, we're, we're your supporters, man. We're not yeah, getting we're, you and Buddy. We're, we're, we're your supporters, you, brother. Man. So and, you uh, know locally, you're our guy, man. And next year, you got to win with a little bit more confidence and just shoot the ball. You know, you exactly know you can shoot. The just, thing is, you, I think sometimes you hesitate it. Correct. You just need just to shoot. Just go out there and boom. Yeah, you pull up from half court. It, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Make them guard you. That's right. All right. So then we went over and we switched over to the one that was like, the hey, Sunday's game. Sunday's yeah. game, yeah. Saturday was like a, a lot of blowouts. I, I, yeah, it was a it was yeah, it was up and down. But like I had my picks were really pretty solid in that area and stuff like. But Sunday was a disaster. But the only one I had going was the first game of the you know of Sunday's afternoon games when it had our number one team in the country, Gonzaga, going against Creighton, which. From the beginning, when we looked at the thing, after my son here was thinking, like, oh, Creighton's going down early. And I said, no, I think they had a bad game against Georgetown and stuff, and mm-hmm. they would rebound. And, hey, they played really well. I think they played well. Even in this loss, they played a good game. But it was just they overmatched. Did. They overmatched. Definitely physically, height-wise, uh, Gonzaga just has more. So what do you guys really think about Gonzaga at this point in time? <laughs> yeah, let me know. I've, I've changed my perspective on them. I... For the last couple of seasons, I, I've given them a lot of grief um, because I just think they've been overrated. Soft schedule. Playing in, in the in, in the WAC, right? No, no, what the they, Amer- uh, West Coast Conference. West Coast Conference. Okay, okay. Um, but I mean, playing playing in a conference where the last time that they played before the tournament, the last time they played a ranked opponent, I believe, was December twelfth, and so I was I was just saying like. I, I don't think that they really are the number one. I like no disrespect to San Francisco, no disrespect to, to St. Mary's, no disrespect to BYU, but they're not the same as if you're playing in the ACC or the Big Ten or the SEC uh, or even the Big East. So, um, and the surprise of all surprises this year, the Pac-12, right? So, like, if Gonzaga wants to get the, the respect, I think they need to jump to the Pac-12. However, I think that they have proven in that win over, over Creighton that they're for real. Um, they're going to be interesting to watch tonight, and then I think they're going to probably win it all now. Yeah, but you know when I when I look at Creighton, they're a really good team, really good team in a bad conference. When I say, don't get me wrong, like you said, St. Mary's is a legit thing. They're always in a tournament and stuff like that. But if you're playing two or three good teams in your conference every year, and that's all you're playing, that's kind of like when I'm looking at a weak ACC football coming with Clemson. Clemson right. is a powerhouse team. I'm not and taking then, nothing uh, from Clemson. And they're like Notre Dame for the longest but, where yeah, they were independent. But they really don't and now they're in the ACC, but yeah. still ACC is just down on football. Football, so. right. And it's like, yeah, you can go through your season, not too many injuries and stuff like that. And that's what I see with Gonzaga. But Gonzaga, like you said, Justin, after seeing them play against Creighton, they kind of changed it. They do have athletes. They have better athletes now than they had in the past. Correct. And now they're recruiting these a lot of these five star athletes are, are wanting there, to play are wanting to play there so that that's yeah. going to keep them in contention. I, I think that the, the of course you know the, I think the end of the road is a little harder now. Yeah, mm-hmm. USC tonight, most likely Michigan on Saturday, and then most likely Baylor on Monday. So. You're you're gonna get three. I mean, we can say you know, <laughs> you know, there could be a surprise. UCLA could surprise. It's gonna be of a course, surprise Houston could surprise. But someone getting surprised tonight. Yes, you you'd figure the way this tournament has gone, somebody's getting surprised. The Mobley. I mean, we're gonna talk about the, that game coming up later. But the Mobley brothers for USC are good. Um, Correct. And so, I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting. However, Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy. 
I mean, it's a big three. They are it's the big, big three of college basketball, and uh, they are fun. Like they just, uh, I was watching CBS the other day, and what they talked about with Gonzaga was like these guys just they play for one another so unselfishly, um, and it, the bigger the stage, man, they they're just like bring it on, let's do it, uh, and it was fun. Like I. I'd only watched a few moments here and there throughout the, the course of the season up until the Creighton game, and I watched that entire game, and I was like, man, these guys, they they are just so smooth offensively and Correct. defensively. They are, they are What you pressuring. don't get the feel from them is like, we have to win this first championship. We have to win the first for the school. We have to do this for a coach few. They, they're not playing with that pressure. Mm-hmm. They're just playing loose and having fun. Yep. Definitely Drew Timmy seems like a fun guy. I think, you know. I love the mustache, man. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely seems like an energy. Oh, yeah, the mustache, mustache. kind of bringing a little Adam Keith slash, uh, what's my man for the Lakers uh, back in the day? Um, Rambis? Yeah, Kurt Rambis feel. Like, just somebody that's just kind of an outlier, but he can play the game of basketball and, and just as an integral part of a team. Yeah. But, uh, I like his, I like I like the energy that Gonzaga is exhibiting, and if they continue to play like this, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think they'll be walking away with their first chip. Right. I, yeah. Because when you guys talk about that, I really do. Like, um, yeah. But if we get to that one when we talk about it. But we got to <laughs> go back to this one. What a disappointment! Like, I, I had two disappointments on Sunday. Two disappointments that really kill me, and that was first one mid afternoon, Michigan and Florida State. Mm-hmm. They didn't show up. Florida State didn't show up. You know, don't get me wrong. I look at it like this. Um, Michigan had basketball players. Florida State had athletes. They didn't show up. They didn't show up. If I was Leonard Hamilton, I'd be, like, really upset mm-hmm. as a coach. It's like, guys, do you, where, where, where are you at, you know? Mm-hmm. It seemed like they settled where they were to get there. And Michigan came to play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking nothing from Michigan. They're the, they're the number one seed in um, in the East, so... They were expected to do what they're doing, but before Levers, Levers got hurt, but the rest of the team stepped up. Mm-hmm. So, I man, Florida State didn't show up. I think one. This is the second most disappointing game. We're going to get to the first one later, but this is the second disappointing game because these guys just didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see anything in the Florida State that they had any life? I didn't. Uh, Michigan dominated them when it just came to energy right from the tip. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's, again, you want to talk about a team that's playing unselfishly, Michigan plays unselfishly. And since Livers has gone down, uh, Smith, is it Duncanson that's that's there? Oh, Dickinson. Dickinson, that's that's down low for that. Like, yeah. Those two guys, and Brown, again, like they're not as big of a big three as Gonzaga has. Correct. Uh, but those three boys play for one another. Uh, they, they put their team on their back, uh, and they just have fun. Smith is such a fun point guard to watch. I love he he really is. Oh, like, yeah. A and fun, then, quick, short point guard. That is He's like a Moochie Norris. You guys are talking what I'm thinking here. It's just like, how do he get from... I know he, he can turn on the afterburners, but how in the world did they let him just go right through them and they didn't play defense? Well, the way that he, he zigzags through yeah. ball screens and then gets to the baseline and drives baseline, kicks it back to a big going down the lane, mm-hmm. is... He's fun. He and I think fun. one of the key guys on that team is, is Brooks. Brooks right. is that guy, the middle guy that does a lot of different Eli Brooks. things. Yeah, he yeah. does a he, lot of little things that we, you know, that you need as a, you know, as a team. And, and like I said, the bigs played well. You know, even you know when you got like um, what's the name Dickerson started, but I, I'm telling you right now, Austin Davis played really well too. 
He, he really did. He John came Jr. In had a good game do. here. So, did you see uh, Juwan's um, Chase? His his son, son yeah. his oh. son, get that bucket at yeah. the end. Jace Howard, yeah, and Juwan Juwan celebrating on the sideline. So cool. That was that was cool. To right, see. It, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, Michigan is playing where they need to be, and they did what they need to do. But now we're gonna switch over to the the biggest disappointing game. <laughs> I think, man, I think this broke a lot of people's brackets oh. and stuff. When you think UCLA and um, Alabama, it's like. Like last week, we went, one of our segment questions was coaching, good and bad coaching. Correct. And we gave all the praise to Nate Oates last week. Yeah, we so were. What a job he was doing and everything like that. But you got to have in-game adjustments. Correct. Your team is not shooting good at threes. They're terrible at free throws. Something has to. I mean, first of all, they're a defensive team. Right. What happened to the defense? Well, it, it just broke down in key moments. Uh, it, it, speaking to your point, twenty five percent from the three point line, and then the free throws less than less than fifty percent. Would you say well, as a it team was 40, you want to shoot? It was actually forty four percent. Correct. And, and it's kind of I would tell my guys, don't drive to the basket to look for a foul if you can't make the foul shots. Right. So you're going to go to the foul line and miss them. So you, you got to make that layup, or you got to find a way to do what works, or or change what's not working. Yeah. Now, what do you think, coach? Yeah, I would say, echoing what you said, like driving to get fouled versus driving to score. You, know, you need to drive to score, mm-hmm. and if you happen to get fouled, great. But you, you need to attack the rim to score every single time, not attack the rim thinking you're going to get the contact. Right. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just I, – uh, hats off to – to Coach uh, Cronin at, at uh, UCLA. UCLA. I mean, like, they – wins to this point. He's got those boys <laughs> – Playing really, really well for an 11 seed, right? For an 11 seed. Yeah. Nobody expected them to even beat Michigan State in the play-in game. Right. Hey, um, Conference of Champions. I've been listening all year long to Bill Walton. <laughs> everybody <laughs> like, everybody thinks he's a joke, but he said this is a great conference, and they're proving it in the tournament. They are. I, I think that the Pac-12 is the diamond in the rough this year um, in the sense that, like, for us out here on the East Coast, when's the last time we stayed up that late to watch a? I mean, maybe maybe, maybe you, Daryl, maybe no. you maybe you stayed up to watch one of those West Coast games. But Even man, like, those games don't start until like ten forty-five. Correct. That's why I stay up and watch those late games and stuff. You know, sneak <laughs> down at night and watch the games and stuff while the wife is sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> hey guy, I'm telling you. I'm listening to Bill Walton, and he said what's happening would happen, and I, hey, I'm a believer in Bill. And the thing is, that's sometimes we kind of take it for granted. But that's what your point earlier was about Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga could be like one of those teams, hey, we can get in the – we stay in the West Coast Conference, we get into the tournament every year. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take the next step to be a program that legitimately – I mean, don't get me wrong, they're legitimate. They're mm-hmm. the number one team in the country and stuff, and they're playing. But, hey, let's, let's make a phone call. Get over and say, hey, what can we do in the Pac-12? Right. If you, you want know, to leave, right. no doubt. Right, that we're the best thing. Yeah, and you need to bring that up. You know, it's like that's something I think Gonzaga should do is think about that. Is really think about, hey, let's get into the Pac-12. But hey, the question is, it's not that would Gonzaga want to go to the Pac-12? Would Pac-12 want to bring Gonzaga in? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't. It's just, it's going to elevate the legitimacy of your conference. Um, now, I mean. They've done phenomenal in this year's tournament. Everybody thought that this was—I I thought this was the year of the Big Ten. Like they've sent in what nine 
big teams yeah, into, right. the, to the tournament. They got like, one left. They got one left. They had only like two left after the second round. So, yeah. Or something like that. Um, and he had four of the Sweet 16 teams uh, made made it for, were from Pac-12. Yeah, it's great. And then they, I think three like of them are in the Three in the lead eight. Three yeah. in the lead eight. Right. Correct, so. so, but when we get back to that game, though, UCLA just made key shots. Now, like I said, NATO's didn't make in-game decisions. After they made that three to tie the game to go to overtime, I think they, they thought the game was over because they did not play defense. You mm-hmm. cannot give up 23 points in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. Alabama. Correct, because you got it to overtime, and and you thought that that that, that would – be some momentum going forward, but it, it, it didn't in 23 and five minutes. Right, just but the a, thing is, down. like, I'm a coach, I coach, and I look at the different things and stuff, and I've seen the, the, the shoulders, I've seen the facial expressions of the UCLA guy, they were dejected right. when right. that shot went in. Yeah, Alex and Reese, that was his only not, shot of the game. And they did not right. take advantage of it. Right. They went in and thought, okay, now it's our game, but they couldn't hit free throws. And he kept jacking up threes. Take the ball to the hole. Right. Take the ball to the hole because UCA, UCLA was in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Correct. Some of their key players would have fouled out if you just take the ball to the hole. And, and the thing is, I think Alabama had the athletes to do it. And that, at that point, you're 40 minutes into playing. Guys down low are going to be tired. The bigs have been running block to block all game long. Mm. Drive it at them. Make them have to make a, a bad defensive play. Either they're going to let you get to the rim or they're going to foul you, and at that point, the game the game's over. Um, but when you settle for outside jumpers, you are no longer the aggressor. Correct. Correct, yep. And then we go over here to the, so the final last, game. Yeah, the last game with a you know, sweet 16 and stuff like that. I, I picked Oregon because of how, what they did to Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know, but then again, I mean, was, the, was the Big Ten as good as we thought they were? I mean, um, I picked Oregon in that game against Iowa because of their speed. For, for some reason, when they played this game, they left their sneakers at home mm-hmm. because they didn't run. Yeah, I mean, Amor, Omarui and Duarte, the only ones that seem to showed up here, uh, 28 and 21 points respectively, everybody else 8 and lower. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it just seems like they didn't have enough, whereas USC have four players in double figures. Um, and the Mobley brothers were not the leading scorers you have. White and uh, Eddie leading yeah. the charge That's there. So Eddie and White, yeah. Um, yeah, and they shot 57% uh, from the field. So compared to Oregon's 37%, that's going to make a difference in a game like and, this. And the bigs for um, Oregon played sloppy. Mm-hmm. And they played intimidated. I think they were already thought they were playing against NBA talent. You know? <laughs> I thought the draft already happened. When I'm looking at the game, I'm thinking, do they think they already got drafted? You know, right. because they played terrible, the big guys for Oregon. Right. Exactly. It just wasn't enough. Dana Allman must have been it. thinking, like, guys, come on. Just, just step up. Just give right. me six points. This, that's all you got to do. If you guys give me a couple of six points, you know, yeah. we'll be okay. But, no. Not it's enough. like, I think they, you know, the Mobley brothers really played well that game. Definitely. So, it's cool. But we're, we're down to a couple games, including tonight's games. Um, USC-Gonzaga. It's a great matchup. It's underway right now. It's underway as we, as we speak. So, we're looking forward to wrap up here and, and get to that game. But... Uh, Coach, what, what's your uh, thoughts on that matchup? Uh, man, I just going back to what we've we've said over the last couple minutes about Gonzaga. Uh, I I think it's it's going to be the big three. It's going to be their show tonight. It's going to be their game to lose. Um, uh, if they if they come out and play the way that they've been playing all all season and especially throughout this tournament, um, 
even with the Mobley brothers for, for USC, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't see USC hanging with them um, super long. I, I hope for a good game, um, but I, I don't see USC really sticking around super long. Um, now, USC has good guard play. Um, they, they, they have, they have good guard play. So I, I, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what that, what that ends up being. Yeah, you're right, coach. Because right now Gonzaga's up 15 to four as we talk. So, right. And, I mean, and the reason with that, you got to look at it too. Is is like this. Good point. Another point that we got to look at here is that Gonzaga can be saying, hey, we can make a point that we're the best team out west. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be in the Pac-12. Right. And show people that we're the best team. Right. And that's what I think, like, that's what's going to happen tonight. Like, you know, we heard the score, but the thing is, hey, before this came up, that's what I think. Gonzaga had a point to prove that they were the best team on the West Coast, mm-hmm. no matter what conference they play in. Correct, correct. And it's like no disrespect to the Adam Morrison era and the DeMontis Sabona eras and other, John Stock, other great players that came to Gonzaga. I think this team just doesn't feel, uh, you know, a pressure to – overcome history and they're just coming out loose and like you said with a little chip on your shoulder to say like hey we're a real deal and right you know, and, they, and they love playing together that right. era that you're you're referencing with the with those other guys like they were the guys on that team right this year's team doesn't have to worry about it being centralized around one guy right. if one guy's having an off day and we've got we've got two other guys around me that are going to pick, exactly. pick me up and they got a, a, and and they have a solid bench their support cast is really, exactly. really solid so, uh, so so and Mark Few, and we can't take it away from him. Mark Few is an excellent coach, and right. he recruits well. He's been there over twenty years, right? Now, right? And he still recruits good players. Right. Yeah, and I yeah. think he's adapted to the fact that That's hey, right. if I can go out and get and get a five star player. If he leaves, he leaves, but it'll help us. Exactly. You know, he had to adjust his coaching style to bring the players in. Yeah. Sometimes we, we we miss that. Sometimes that coaches have to make adjustment. The ones who want to be starts and stay in their way. Hey, they're dinosaurs, and seven players don't want to play for them. Yeah, correct. You know, so look at Coach K. As much as a great one of the greatest college coaches ever, he he adjusted his game. At one point, he wouldn't take a kid that was going to leave for the NBA. Right now, he hey he he adapted. He says, hey, if I can win, I win. If I win this year, then I got to go next year and go out and recruit. Duke got a brand; he can bring players in. Right. That's a fact. So that's, that's what we got to look at. Then we got to go back to the late game for tonight, man. UCLA. Michigan. Ooh, I'm gonna let you guys go with this. I'd be the last one to speak on this one here because this is like a, you know, one minute say this thing like this, but I, <laughs> UCLA may may say, hey, we're better than people think. Daddy, is that your take? <laughs> no, that ain't my pick. I'm just okay. letting you guys I, go I, with it. I I personally feel that Michigan dodged a bullet going into this game because I really thought it was gonna be Michigan Alabama. I thought that'd be a close game, and I actually yeah. did in my original bracket have Alabama winning, but I didn't think they'd play. Like they did on Sunday, I think that was the worst performance out of the many performances I've seen them play. Um, but Michigan, I've seen them play collectively, and like uh, Coach Justin said earlier, um, since Livers went down, his team has played better collectively. Because mm-hmm. Dad, we even right. talked we about talked this about yeah. last week, where it was like a, a problem Michigan has. They they was just kind of like handing the ball to Livers and just kind of standing back. Now these guys have all stepped up and they're really really playing well as a team. I think they sniffed the Final Four. I think they feel it. I think they have just an overall better team than UCLA. I think that, you know, UCLA is not going to go out there and just flat out play terrible. But I just think that Michigan um, will kind of just have a similar game they had against Florida State. They're just going to overwhelm. They're going to control tempo. I don't think there's an answer. I don't think uh, that their center can can hold down Hunter Dickinson. 
who I think is going to be an NBA center and be a good mm-hmm. one. So I just feel back like Michigan, up, back up. if anything, back up. If he, if he can be Ivaka Zubac, that's a good thing <laughs> for the Clippers. Like, that's just what I'm thinking in terms of no. comparison. No. But uh, no. well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I tend to give guys a little more grace going into the league than no. my dad does. You'll see that as we Back continue up. to talk going forward. <laughs> I tend to give guys a little bit more like hype, not crazy. But I said Zubac. I didn't say Back up. that he was going to be AD. Joel Embiid or AD. I said Ivaka Zubac. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, that's what I think um, on tonight's game. No, I, I think this is going to be the closer game out of both the, the games tonight. Um I do think Michigan's going to win it. I think they're going to win by 12. Um, I, and I think it's going to be uh, tempo. That's going to be the key. Um, with with Smith running mm. the, the point, pushing the ball, making UCLA's defense have to go all the way to the baseline. That That's something that, that I love watching point guards do is making the defense have to go from, uh, from all the way down the court, all the mm. way to the baseline, and then they kick it out. Um, and run their, their secondary or primary offense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Michigan. I think Michigan's going to take this one tonight. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a closer one. I think the first half is going to be really competitive. First couple minutes coming out of the second half, uh, competitive, and then Michigan's going to put their their stamp on it uh, with about eight minutes to go and win by twelve. Oh, there you go. Man, good like call. That. That's good. I like that. I like that. You know what? I'm going the other way. <laughs> I'm going the other way. UCLA will win this game tonight because I think Michigan went as far as they, like I said, people thought they would be out earlier because Leather's out. But the thing is, they have played really well as a team. But UCLA, each position on this court, they can match up with Michigan. That's why I say, and their bench, they got a couple guys that come off the bench that can really score too. And that's what a lot of people said. And I think, I think like you got you got Bernard, you got their matter of fact. In the Alabama game that people don't realize, their leading scorer fouled out hmm. with like five minutes left in the regulation. And I think um, that's going to make a big difference and stuff like that. And I think their role players will do what they need to do to get to what they have to do. And if, if their center can hold up, that's the key. That's the key. If their center can hold up and don't get in foul trouble, I think, what you just said, I think it's going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and think, Michigan's going to get blown out. No, no. Michigan can win the game. I won't be surprised in that aspect. But for some reason, I think the team that no one expected to be in the Final Four from the Pac-12 is UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I think hey, Mick got these guys back to where they need to be. And it's going to draw more players to come back and do this thing. Because they do match up really well with Michigan. Because their guard play... Like I said, they got two dynamic guards, Michigan and and I think they both are well. But the thing is, the guy from um, UCLA, what's his name? Uh, Jack Hez or Riley? Those are those are Riley, the big guys. The little guy. I'm talking about the little guy with the hair. Right. So he's gonna uh, he's yeah. him and Mike Smith. They're gonna be going at it. Exactly. It's and I fun. think yeah, it's gonna be a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a better shooter. And that's why I think when it comes down I'll to I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. I think, I think he is a better shooter, yep. but I think Smith's a better point guard. Correct. Exactly. But the thing is, we already seen, if you've seen the game against Alabama, Alabama's a very good defensive team, and they play tight. A lot of the shots that these guys made for UCLA was very contested, and they made it look easy. Okay, Riley's U.S. 
UCLA's biggest player. 6'9", yeah. 225 right. pounds. Yeah. Going up against Hunter Dickinson, 7'1", 255 pounds, exactly. with a beast engine that yeah. I'm going to dominate you. Yeah. How, how do they offset that? Okay, like I said, positioning. That's what you got to do. Coach will tell you that. You can have guys that's not that big. Like a Draymond Green. He's not a big guy, but he can play defense on a big guy. That's a good point. That's you, the thing. you can't you let Dickinson get established too low correct. on the post. And then uh, you said Riley is, is yeah Riley's going to be UCLA. Yeah, correct. Riley, I think, is a faster just uh, this, uh, because because he's not as heavy. Yeah, uh, I think he's a faster guy. Cody Riley. Cody Riley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I I think that he'll be he'll be quicker uh, getting down the floor. He'll be quicker around the rim. But Dickinson, if you allow him to get established into the into the post low, he's going to bury you. That's um, so Correct. it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see the coaching. You're talking about coaching adjustments earlier yeah. in the show. Uh, that that's going to be so the, the the big guys down low, and then the guard play up top with Smith and um, um, who's the UCLA point guard that we were just talking about. Um, I could pull this up. Yeah, point guard is I think it's if I'm not mistaken, it's the young man here. Um, I know Bernard is one guard. Bernard is uh, no, so you got guard. no Jules. It, it, no Bernard. Tiger. Tiger Campbell. Tiger. Tiger Campbell. Yeah, okay. like Tiger Woods. Tiger Campbell. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's yeah. it. Yeah. So he's the one going to be the key. But the thing is, what your guys are right. saying here, I think the guard play, and I think the matchup is going to be really tough for Michigan. Okay. I think I I would give the advantage down low to the, the big man to Michigan because they're deep there, but the guard play they're going to have to. In other words, Michigan is going to have to play some really solid defense. Solid guard play. Yeah, because defense, yeah. I feel that the UCLA guys can shoot. They're, they got like six shooters on their team. So that's what's going to make a big, a good game here, guys. So, it's going to be worth staying up to watch. Well, I mean, that's so. that's going to – if UCLA you, – you mentioned this earlier. If UCLA can actually get to the Final Four here, how big is that for that program? Firing Steve Alford because, he again, he was just – uh, not getting the the program that is the all time winningest champion championship program right. uh, to where they should be. Their athletic director fires Steve Alford, high brings in Cronin. Um, yeah, like for Cronin to only be there what two seasons now, three seasons? No, two. This, this is, is two. this is a second season. This yeah. is second season. And it was and, 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 and we were talking about on our program last week. Nobody wanted that job. Right. They were. He was not the first choice. He was like the sixth choice because nobody wanted that job. You go they thought it was a dumpster fire, and it was like really bad. But he, Mick, that's what I'm saying. When we look at Jawan has done what he's done. He's done a great job at Michigan, but you can't. Mick Cronin has done a great Fantastic job to turn the culture around that players want to play there. And that's why I said it's going to be. And a it's only big going to get goal. better for them with recruits going forward, especially if they, if they were able to pull this exactly. off and become the second team since VCU to win the first four game and then win four more to get to this point. So, Dad, that's what you have. You have them then matched up against Gonzaga. Yep. Will they put up a better fight than what USC is putting up right now? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think this is. I just, think that's a good answer. I, yeah, no, I think Gonzaga. I think they get to the final four. They'll play each other. I think Gonzaga is just destined to get to the finals now. Because I think when the season started, everybody was talking about Gonzaga Baylor. That is true. That could happen, and that could happen is like that is going to make a really good. Because it's interesting. It's interesting because you got two teams that's playing 
team ball yep. and knowing himself. And, and Baylor is one of those physical teams, muscle-bound teams, but they can shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's a r- rare combination. When you, as, if, as a coach, you mm-hmm. see, you, when you got muscle-bound guys that hustle, they don't have much height, but they play, t- they play bigger than they are. And if Butler leads Baylor to what he, they need to do, it's going to be a really good game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a scrap. So game. you're taking Baylor over Houston by that statement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I like what Houston has done, but I'm yeah. going to take Baylor in that one. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Michigan versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga wins. Um, to your point that you said earlier why you think UCLA is going to beat Michigan, that, that they um, have just kind of come to the end of the road here, like they, mm. they've peaked. I think they get past UCLA tonight, but there's there's no way they get past Gonzaga in the Final Four. Right. Um, and then I will also take Baylor over Houston. Houston scraps, but they're not as they're they're not a team like Baylor is. And I think I think a lot of that has to do with coaching styles. So you got Calvin Sampson at Houston, who is like he he's gonna grit it out. He is going to get you to give every last drop of your energy mm-hmm. in, in the way that you play. But then you got Scott Drew who is going to say, no, we are we are we are a unit. We are five unified guys on the floor and we're gonna play super smooth together. And I think that ends up that's more championship style than just grit it out. True. And the thing is when you think about that, when you look at a Houston team, Houston is a very scrappy team. It's like the coach, you know, he used to be in Indiana. He you? did. Exactly. He ruined our program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but he had his end thing, yeah. But the thing is, though, he, he, he bounced back. He did. And the thing is, what we, I look at it like this, second chances is really good. Yes. And, um, you know, he had a good chance at Oklahoma and stuff like that. I even got a letter from him because he was picking up my son to go out there to be a walk-on and stuff like that. Mm. So that was That's really right. interesting and stuff like that. But wow. the thing is... Um, when I look at Houston, they got one Grimes. Grimes. He's the only shooter they've mm-hmm. really got. This guy can shoot from anywhere and stuff like that. But you ain't gonna beat a beat, You're not gonna beat a, with one with shooter. one shooter, right? You're yeah. gonna have to have, um, you know, Sasser uh, go crazy, right? Um, if they're gonna win, yeah. But Grimes is the You're gonna shooter, have... but you can't. You ain't gonna win a game against a Baylor or Gonzaga with one player, right? You Correct. Can't do that. You know, um, Dejan Giroux, he he's played well, defense, especially defensively. Did you but see it's just shot that enough. he put up the other day. I don't know. I don't know if they ended up counting it or I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at the end of the, he just caught right. it, chucked yeah. it up, and it banked in. Exactly, and it was like one of those. Yeah, it was interesting because it could have won either. I think if it was a regular season game, they would have counted it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. it's just because of the severity we're at. Boom, and that's where you get. But then we get to the national finals. Everybody, so what do you think? So, is, who do you think is going to end said, the final four? I said Michigan Gonzaga. Uh, will, will be a good game. I think that I don't know. Like, is Livers one hundred percent? They say one hundred percent. He's out. Be back. He won't be back. So of that's course, a good that's thing a for Michigan. That's a, I believe yeah, that's so. Good. I think they would have relied on him too much, and it would have took away yeah. from everybody else. Correct. That'll be the closest game Gonzaga has played uh, until they get to the national championship and, and play Baylor. I think Baylor Houston is going to be a close, low scoring game because uh, mm. I think Houston will control some tempo. I think they will d him up. It'll be a similar game to the game that. Baylor just beat Arkansas, and I think that mm-hmm. I think Houston's going to stay within five to ten. I don't think they're just going to get blown out. I think this team is is too good. I think they match up well, but I don't think they have enough offense late. And I think Baylor will pull away in the last five minutes to to face Gonzaga, which is the the matchup that uh, most of us have anticipated, looked forward to, 
And I think that that's going to be a good game. That's going to be, I think that's going to be, a, honestly, I think that's a coin flip game. That's going to come down to the last possession or so. But I just think it's destiny for Gonzaga this year. Uh, to be the first team in 45 years um, to go undefeated since Bob Knight's 1976 uh, Hoosiers. So I, I just think they're on a mission to do it. I don't think really, uh, like I said, it's 2021, anything can happen, but I just feel it's, it's, it's their time, and, and that's how I see it playing out. Mm. So I'm with you. I, I think that the Zags beat Baylor in the national championship, but it comes down to a fouling game at the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to... Who's going to try to get the, the ball for the last the last possession and whoever has it that that's probably going to they're probably going to win. I, Correct. I, I don't I don't see I don't see Baylor beating them, uh, but it's going to be very very close. Right. Very I, close. I think Baylor. I don't know what they had last year. If I had a twenty twenty bracket, I would have had Baylor over Dayton last year in the yes. finals. But right. yeah. unfortunately, yeah. those teams didn't get to play it out. And Houston, just, don't forget Houston. And Houston was, was in there too. I would probably and yeah. San Diego State. San Diego State. Those are that top teams fun, that are on. That would have been final right. final four. Right, um, it was a yeah, yeah. But because you know, Gonzaga was in the mix, but I think they're definitely better this year. Right, yes, definitely. With Slugs, it, the point guard made a big difference in there. All right, so, so there we have it. Now, but before we close out, Go one ahead. thing I have to say: we can't get off this stage tonight without mentioning was that a foul or not a foul with the Baylor a Connecticut, Connecticut women? women game? What's your thought, Coach? Honestly, and do you I make see- that call? That's another thing. Do you make that call? I, I think it was a foul. However, I don't make that call because that's that's too big of a stage to be making that call to win that game on free throws. Okay. My, my collective argument is this. In terms of rules, they got to find a way to give players, maybe at the two, I don't know what how the NBA does it, um, but we're – you get the possession of the ball. If you can call, if you have a timeout, you can get, you can throw it in at half court. So if you're going to call a foul with like a second left, then at least I know if you make the free throws, I got a chance to heave it up. But if I have to go the length of the floor in a second, mm-hmm. it kind of makes it impossible. So I would say, do I make that call? If it's the right call, yes. But it's a whole lot better if the NCAA can modify the rules and give players a chance, maybe with a minute left in the game, to be able to inbound from half court. Uh- I'm going to take the opposite. I I don't I don't like the inbound from half court rule. Uh, I'm maybe I'm more of a traditionalist. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm more of a traditionalist with that. Like I I like the strategy that has to be played with going the full length of the floor. Um, so you can have like I'm, a Christian Leitner moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 a ton of strategy to, yeah. to come in with that. Um, and I'm also uh, along that the, that uh, note. I would be against moving men's college basketball to four quarters. Like I said, keep it with two two halves. Two halves. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I like the the tradition being different and the tra- the the tradition behind. So you don't like the DH either, do you? Not really. All oh, right. I Good love man. the DH. I, yeah, we're, we're, we're not talking we're, about baseball, but I love the DH. If baseball, they don't yeah, make that pitcher hit. All right. <laughs> hey, but hey, back to the call. But the, the foul. I mean. When you look at it initially, it could have went either way. Correct. Um, yeah, was it contact there? Yes, but it was in the flow of the shot and everything like that. That's what I wanted to say. It was a great game to end the way it ended. But the thing is, even if it was a foul, they still had four seconds or so, four and a half seconds to get the ball up. So that would make a difference too. That I, hey, One thing we're all missing here, 
they could have called for a foul to go with that thing. Okay, what if Connecticut had just let him play it out and mm-hmm. shoot it? Was she going to make it? We're not sure about that not either sure. way. Right. So, I mean, that's one of those it's debates and stuff. Right. It's an unfortunate way to end your season for Baylor. They was one of the great teams. I I don't know. They could have easily been a one seed, and they had them at a two seed anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, hard anyway. And, and then the thing is, if, if they're a two seed, and they were probably the best two seed, how did they end up playing Connecticut anyway if Connecticut was either the second seed or the first seed? I think they, when they set it up, they had um, Stanford as the one seed in the mm-hmm. women's state and Connecticut as the number two one seed. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to say Baylor was the eighth, seventh seed? It had been, yeah, yeah, yeah that's like number seven. Right. In the was Stanford number one overall? Overall. It was Stanford, and then I believe Connecticut. it was Connecticut, and then it was NC State. And then and the one who lost to uh, NC State and, probably and was South the Carolina? Yeah, I believe it South was. South Carolina is a big one, Texas at the half, 37-22, so we right. presume they're going to get to the Final Four. Yeah. Um, what do you see out of Stanford-Louisville? Well, Stanford is the number one thing, but I wouldn't be surprised Louisville beat them. I, I think Louisville is yeah. is going to pull that one off. I just think they, they've got, even though they're not as, as good of a team, I think they, Athlete, the, tra- the tradition, the coach, right. uh, they, they've been there plenty yep. of times before. Uh, I, like the, I, I like Louisville. Uh, I'm going to go with Stanford. Okay. I think it's the, the year. Yeah. So they get to they play South Carolina, which I think will be a heck of a matchup. Right. Um, two great coaches. Two great coaches going at it. Uh, we can talk ladies. We're going to finish up with the ladies. Um, uh, so UConn, Arizona. What do you, what do you see in oh, that? UConn. Just UConn running away? Yeah, UConn. UConn. I say and, UConn unless, running away to the championship, the, too. Unless uh, the guard for Arizona continues to have a stellar performance. Right. However... We were talking about this before before the recording of, of, of the podcast. Uh, Gino is the all-time greatest coach. Men's, women's, doesn't matter. He's the all-time greatest coach. He's going to find a way to shut her down. And right. so exactly. UConn's going to shut her down. And again, what you're saying there, great coaches, good insight. I'd look at it like um, they Arizona got one really, really good player. UConn got five. Yeah, it, So it, that yeah, makes a true. big difference. And the thing is, that's why I think I – think, what they're looking for the NCAA here is would be a matchup, and I think Connecticut wants to play Stanford to prove that they should have been the number one seed overall. That's what it's going to be, because they got a good guard play over at Stanford. Which that's what you want, but you have Louisville getting to right. play South Carolina. Who do you see winning that to get to Connecticut for the final? You say UCF. You, you, um, Louisville is going to be playing who? Well, if Louisville takes out Stanford tonight, then right. they will play. Most likely, uh, South Carolina, if that's the matchup in the final South four. Carolina. So you get South Carolina yes. and then UConn. What do you we got, Justin? I, I would probably take South Carolina as well. Um, I would. I'm a little partial. I, I like the Louisville uh, women's mm-hmm. team. I, I would be probably rooting for them, but I think South Carolina will win, and then they'll play UConn in the national championship. And again, I think it just comes down to coaching. I think that. The amount of times that Gino has been, you cannot bet against Gino. Um, and so I, I think the Lady Huskies. Right. Correct. I like Jeff Walls, the coach from Louisville. Seems like a really cool guy. Um, I think he'll win a national championship once Gino finally hangs it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Gino's like the one guy standing in his way and he can't, can't beat him. But I feel like Jeff Walls eventually will break through uh, with the Lady Cardinals. But uh, because I have Stanford going up against South Carolina and uh, – 
it, I, I agree with that. I think it, I think UConn wants to play Stanford. I think they will play Stanford. And I'm going to say this because, like I said, rest in peace, Kobe and Gianna Bryant. I think this was, uh, you know, the school, obviously, she would have went to uh, should she been able to go there. And I just think, like, just like last year with the Lakers, there's something missed, uh, just something euphoric that just is in the air just for them. So I think the Lakers winning it, and I think that UConn follows it up. I just think it's, the, it's just that time. Mm -hmm. And I think overall they have the better team, but I just think things work, will work in their favor. Uh, to get through the tournament and to be champions. Okay, good. So we'll see how this all plays out. We'll recap it next week, and then we'll shift gears into some pro sports. But we thank you so much all for listening. Thanks, Coach Justin, for joining us. Yeah, thank you me. very much. It was great. Great time having you here. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. Okay. We wish you we the gotta best. we got to bring you back at a time. Yeah, we're definitely going to get you back. You here, like buddy. baseball? This was cool. I mean, I'm not an avid baseball uh, fan, but I, I do enjoy watching it from time to time. What about football? I love football. Okay. All right. Good. We got. We'll, we got to. We'll find it out. <laughs> we'll find it out. But here's the thing: in this area, upstate New York, there's not many people that know college sports. That's true. So to have you is is, is a rarity and a uniqueness. So maybe like college football season. Yes, sir. We'll jump you back in here. We'll have some fun with that. But Let's everybody, yeah, definitely. Roll so. tight. Irish. <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> All right. Everybody, have a great night. Peace. Good night. Thank you so much for listening today. Whether you tuned in with us through Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, we are thankful, and we would also like to invite you to connect with us. Head on over to anchor.fm forward slash likefatherlikesonsports, where you will find our social media outlets via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Until then, be well, stay safe, and we will see you next time on the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast.